to Cornell University's Pro Dairy podcast. In this series, we're going to be talking about COVID-19 and how dairy farmers and the industry in general have adapted to it. I'm Kathy Barrett, and I'm with Cornell's Pro Dairy program. And I'm Rob Lynch, also part of Cornell's Pro Dairy program. So we have on the line with us Dr. Rick Waters, who is the Regional Director for Quality Milk Production Services, Cornell Vet School. And Rick, if you kind of just give us a little background on your role and what you do, and then we kind of talk about how you've been impacted by this whole pandemic issue. Okay. So, uh, yep, Rick Waters with Quality Milk Production Services in our Western laboratory out in uh, Warsaw, New York. So basically, we're a milk quality lab. Main focus is taking in uh, milk samples or other environmental samples culturing them and providing results back to our clients so they can make management or treatment-based decisions upon, you know, based on the pathogen. Um, and then we also spend time doing milking time audits. So looking at risk factors associated to milking equipment, people, so the milking routine, the environment, and then looking at overall like teat health. Those are the, I guess that's the other, you know, main component besides the culture lab is the more of these cow side evaluations and looking at uh, risk factors associated with mastitis. So during this situation with COVID-19, have you had to change what services you can provide at this point? Yes, we have changed some of the services. So in-house here, you know, specifically within our lab, uh, one of the things we're doing is um, our building, our section of the building is locked at all times. So we're not even, you know, to abide by the social distancing, we're not even allowing people in um, unless we, you know, let you in. Also internally, we are, you know, we're doing some internal rotations where I have a full staff in the morning and only a half a staff in the afternoon. So we're trying to get the minimum done, get the requirements met, but also abide again by the social distancing. On the farms, how have we changed what we've done? There we have basically Anywhere that we gather data, which typically on a dairy farm is in the herd office, which tends to be a common area for people, any of the data that we've gathered from the herd office, we are now having our, the, the dairy producers actually email us that data. So we are no longer entering the herd office just to try and minimize that. Mm-hmm. Um, and any of those, as I said, the second part of what we do kind of those milking time audits or those on-farm assessments, those have all put up, been put on hold for the time being. Also, like everybody's at least wearing one glove while they go on the farm. So if they open a refrigerator or a freezer, grab samples, they have a glove on, we're sanitizing hands both as we get to the farm and when we leave. I think that's basically it. I mean, what we've done from that standpoint. Rick, have you had any farmers kind of give you directions on how they want people coming to the farm, what they want them to do? Yep, we've had a couple clients that, you know, a couple dairy producers. uh, One of the first ones that I think was the most proactive on this, you know, came to us and said, how can we work through this? So in in that situation, we've actually relocated the samples even on the farm to a location that's just outside the farm. They're still secure, but we are, other than driving in the lot of the farm, Mm -hmm. uh, we basically have no interaction with people and or we're not going into the facility itself. Mm -hmm. Um, We have had a couple clients basically say, um, let's just put everything on hold, even culture-wise. When this comes back around, then we'll go back to to having you come on farm. Most people have stayed with the side of getting 
the aerobic culture data so they can make those decisions, those treatment-based decisions. Um, but I would say those are the two scenarios that have been the most common. Or do you have any concerns about farmers not staying on top of their milk quality programs and their testing because of the, the situation we're in? Uh, to this point, I would say no, because one of the biggest questions I keep getting from dairy producers is, are we still open for service? Um, you know, even when I look at our daily, you know, the volume of samples we bring in, um, that hasn't changed. It's just how we're collecting the data and then, um, you know, how we're interacting with people that has changed. I haven't seen much change in people walking away from like I said, other than a couple farms who have said we're just going to hold off for now. Okay. But that would be, you know, in the minority. Mm-hmm. Hey, Rick, you had um, mentioned the, the milk culture pickup process and how that's been, you've been able to kind of modify it a bit to minimize, you know, person-to-person interactions. Can you walk us through that? Yeah, so one of the processes that we have is um, we collect data specific to dairy comp. So farmers will enter the cows that we have to pick up a milk culture for. And the way that method has worked is we go to the computer and actually download a file to a USB drive and then we bring that back to our office and upload it. Um, The importance of that is where the data that the dairy client has entered in dairy comp is what we use. So there's no, we don't rewrite the cow IDs or anything like that. To me, that was somewhat of a risk or because we'd go into the herd office, it's a common area where there's people, and then we would be touching the keypad, we'd touch the mounts, you'd touch the chair and move the chair so you could sit in it. We've minimized that risk by the clients now. That file that we download, they're emailing it to us every day. So that's been the big change on that side. The other one along the same lines when I talked about relocating samples, so any clients of ours that have samples in their herd office, we have had them move them to an area that might be like maybe just inside a door into a utility room or something like that, where there's less traffic, hopefully closer to the area where we're parking. Again, just trying to minimize that social interaction between us and people on the farm when we're picking up uh, samples. It's a great example of just, you know, being creative, being innovative, thinking of you know, other ways to do the things that we do every day. And it's just a great example of that. Thanks, Rick. So in this segment, uh, I'm going to spend a few minutes talking to Dr. Alan Fournier. He's a co-owner of Maplewood Veterinary Associates, and I'll let him describe a bit about his practice. But uh, Alan, as a, as a New York State small business who's been identified as essential for both supporting the food supply and to provide uh, healthcare services for animals. Um, I thought it would be uh, interesting for everyone to kind of hear how you're managing during this pandemic. Maybe um, start by telling everybody a little bit about your practice. Okay, thanks Rob. We have, we're solely large animal. We don't do any small animal. We don't have a small milk clinic. So it's all ambulatory. We uh, run our business through part of our house, which has its conveniences, but also its challenges as well. We have one equine veterinarian that does horses. Currently, we have two associates that does full-time food animal. And um, 
we usually have one, one to two associates at any one time. Uh, we are in Western New York, located between Buffalo and Rochester. We live in Niagara County. We've had 51 cases of positive corona in our in our county alone. So we're not, you know, we are in the country, but we're not very far from large urban cities areas. And so uh, we haven't had any anybody we know that has been exposed or has been tested positive. So at this point, you know, we are going about our workday as normal as can. Sure, I mean, it's, it's, it's good to hear um, keeping the business running as best you can. Any particular challenges since this pandemic has started to just kind of remaining operational? So we, we are taking our precautions um, as far as disinfecting doorknobs, things, anything that, that to pick up drop off boxes, things like that. We don't get a lot of traffic here at the office outside of our staff and, and uh, veterinarians. And, uh, you know, we are all, we, we pretty much understand, you know, the, the whole distancing as far as when we're home and everything, isolation. So the, uh, everybody has remained healthy. We are trying to, if uh, maybe we think two people are coming at the same time to pick up meds, we're, we're going to try to offset that. Uh, outside of that, you know, we're, we're pretty much running as normally as, as we can. Yeah, I've, um, I've I've been in your practice. It's it's tight quarters, so you know yes. I think if someone within the practice gets sick, it's likely the exposure is going to happen all around. Exactly. Um, you know, we have everything's in one office, and then the lab is in another room, so there cannot be any six feet of distance between people. We're very nervous that if we have one exposure it's not only going to potentially force us to shut the business down for a while, um, but uh, we have you know, two kids in their house as well. My wife and I, we live in the same house we work. So that, that creates uh, an additional amount of stress. You know, we, we're, what, what would happen and potentially will happen if one of the associates, one of the staff members, or even us, gets an exposure, how do we maintain a quarantine? Probably shutting down the business is gonna to have to be a necessity. Yeah, because it's, you know, the way the this bug is spreading, that it's so contagious that it's likely everyone will end up seeing it. Correct. And, you know, a lot of our dairy and beef clients rely heavily on us on sometimes a weekly basis. So, you know, as far as uh, if one of us gets an exposure, will all probably be exposed and um, then none of us will be able to get out on the road to service these clients. It would be difficult if we were just, you know, one or two veterinarians doing the work of three, but it's probably going to be an all or nothing kind of thing. You know, if we have one exposure, it's probably we're all going to be having to stay off the farm. And, you know, the farms themselves, farmers, their employees, they work a lot of hours. They, they they generally don't get off the farm a whole lot. They have their own kind of isolation, but uh, you know, and it's probably the safest place for us to be, and that's where we spend most of our time on any given days is in these on these farms. But the biggest risk is not to us, but to them. That will one of us, be it a veterinarian or uh, a 
a service uh, that repairs something on the farm, that has to go on the farm, they, we, we pose a bigger risk to them. And, um, you know, so, so we have an extra responsibility to avoid exposure um, because especially with some of these farms, as they're getting bigger, a lot of employees could get sick and that would be a disaster. Yeah, and they just don't have extra labor resources. Everyone's working pretty hard already. So it's not like we can, it's easy to get by with a lot less. Correct. I mean, it is uh, not always the easiest to find employees who want to do this kind of work. Yeah, and extra difficult right now. I'm right. wondering about Ag and Markets has, you know, provided guidance for veterinarians and operating their practice during this workforce reduction and, you know, they're exempt from those restrictions, but kind of put a lot of um, responsibility on the veterinarians to, to kind of make those decisions on a case-by-case basis. Like what needs to still go on service-wise and what can be postponed? Getting any uh, sense from clients where they may be, I guess, re- receptive to these kind of limits of what, what work still needs to be done and what can be put off? It hasn't been discussed and the way they're going about it, they want to go full as far as services as long as we can. A couple of weeks ago, we uh, got 50 head of cattle tested and ready to go for Canada. I was calling my local state vet almost every day. Are we going to be able to do this? Uh, are they going to close the border? Is USDA open to endorse the certificate? But, uh, you know, so so they're really, it's like every day to them. I mean, it really hasn't changed for them yet. Uh, they are not, they haven't mentioned anything to me about concerns regarding um, let's stop doing this. There, there hasn't been any of that yet. Yeah, I mean, I, and I can only think in, in the livestock sector, but, you know, the services that, that are being done are important for the business. And so Correct. if it wasn't yeah. important for the business, they would have cut it out a long time ago. Right. And especially after four brutally low milk prices, I mean, it's been brutal the last four years. It's, it, I don't think any of these farms are having us on, on the farms for frivolous reasons. <laughs> true, so, true. I mean, it, it, when they need us, they need us, you know, we have to be there for them. Well, really appreciate your time, Alan. Anything else you want to add before we wrap it up? No, I think that's it. All right. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk for a few minutes and uh, stay safe out there and keep up the good work. You too, Rob. Thank you. Yeah, so you know, Dr. Fournier's practice is operating um, pretty much business as usual with, with the additional precautions that they're able to take. And you can, you know, heard that how disruptive to say the least it would be to their business if if someone were to come down with the virus so keeping it out is pretty critical uh, but the reality is some of the services that are offered, that happen at the dairy will get disrupted um, as this virus uh, continues to spread and i've already heard about a vet practice managing their own self-quarantine um, right now and so you know, vet practices are like a lot of other small businesses. They employees work real closely together. You know, uh, they're not, uh, they can't really spread out that easily. And so, when one person in the in that building in that office gets sick, the risk to the others is pretty high. And so, um, you know, what they're able to do, you know, should someone end up coming down with the virus, 
um, the business, you know, by working with their doctor and Department of Public Health, um, the business can develop a, a workable plan in order to get the essential, I emphasize essential, work done uh, while still maintaining public safety. It starts with communicating to the clients, obviously, in order, you know, so they're informed of what's going on and just following those, uh, those isolation recommendations that are provided by your healthcare professionals. And then you really got to make some hard decisions, you know, really, what is essential? What is an essential service? And really take a cold eye at services being offered because we just can't get it all done if we can't keep everybody out on the road. Uh, one big difference between a, like a livestock vet clinic and other small businesses is actually the vets don't really need to work closely with others in, in their offices. Um, and so the social distancing part of this might be a little bit easier to uh, achieve. Uh, but, you know, sticking to those cleaning guidelines that came from CDC way back when this thing got started is really critical and really, you know, take a, a hard look at all of those cleaning practices that are, that are getting done. Um, is, are, are all the things getting cleaned regularly that should be? Uh, do you need to add anything to that list? Uh, make sure that um, these, these steps are um, being taken. Uh, and some businesses, and the, the reality is some businesses just may find it difficult, if not impossible, to stay open through uh, their own quarantine. And so now's a great time to be making those contingency plans for suitable temporary help um, in the event that a temporary closure uh, does become necessary for the, for the business. That, that's a vet clinic, that's any, any business that's out there uh, trying to service a dairy industry. So we're going to finish up here now with this episode of our Cornell Pro Dairy podcast. Hope you will join us for future episodes where we will be talking to other folks in the industry about how they're handling the current situation with COVID-19. So thanks very much for joining us.